Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us for the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Happy New Year, everyone. Hope you had a wonderful holiday break. Uh, We also hope that you caught all six of our year-end installments of our award season, all uh, culminating on New Year's Eve with our Person of the Year, Turncoat of the Year, and predictions for 2022. Uh, Wherever you get your podcasts, those are still available if you haven't heard those yet, but uh, I think you'll enjoy them. But 2022 is upon us. And we have plenty to talk about. Today we have a good and uh, two bad martinis today. And so let's dive right in to our good martini. And Jim, the EU, the European Union, is our good martini today. So uh, this just tells us that maybe anything's possible in 2022. But when it comes to energy, uh, reality is kind of smacking the EU in the face. And instead of pretending it's not the reality, they're actually adjusting to it, it would appear. This is from Reuters. The European Union has drawn up plans to label some natural gas and nuclear energy projects as green investments after a year-long battle between governments over which investments are truly climate-friendly. The European Commission is expected to propose rules in January deciding whether gas and nuclear projects will be included in the EU quote-unquote sustainable finance taxonomy. This is a list of economic activities and environmental criteria they must meet to be labeled as green investments. Jim, we've talked about many times how everything's cleaner than it was not that long ago. There's clean coal, uh, which a generation ago would have seemed almost like an oxymoron, Uh, uh, fracking, uh, oil. But when it comes to natural gas and nuclear, everybody's still freaked out about Three Mile Island, so they're pretending that nuclear is not a good option when it's probably one of the best options. And natural gas, of course, burns cleaner uh, than than coal and uh, and oil. So uh, these are very viable options that the Green Movement has... uh, illogically, uh, you know, resisted over time. But if the EU is even realizing that this is the pathway to uh, cleaner energy while also being able to, you know, provide energy as opposed to wind and solar, uh, hopefully rationality is starting to win the day here. Greg, one of the oddities of, I would say our era, but maybe it fits your and my lifetime and maybe the lifetime of a lot of our uh, listeners, is that the further we get from actual nuclear plant disasters, right? They're really, most people can only name three reactors in their entire life that they've ever heard of. Three Mile Island, which for a long time you could say uh, killed fewer people than Ted Kennedy's car. Uh, they have had some people develop cancer in the years since then. So depending on how you, can't, how you count deaths from Three Mile Island, you could argue that yes, the, the, the effect, long-term cancer effects from the incident at, uh, at Three Mile Island was not good. Chernobyl, which if you ever watch that HBO series, will tell you this every conceivable error they possibly could, every warning was ignored. Um, basically everything not to do is what happened at Chernobyl. And then there was Fukushima, which is basically what happens if there's a really severe earthquake and a giant tidal wave hits your nuclear power plant. And I believe, no, actually, I'm trying to remember if anyone died in Fukushima, but actually, you know, there's actually the Japanese are pretty competent at this. And for considering they were throwing this giant curveball of, hey, a tidal wave just hit a, a nuclear power plant, um, they manage it as best you can. Now you find a lot of nuclear power enthusiasts and advocates in conservative circles. And I think on balance, they have a very strong argument. We probably should acknowledge that yes, nuclear power generates nuclear waste. And if you're a child of the eighties, you were probably always hearing about toxic waste causing giant accidents uh, and giving people superpowers. 
uh, whether it was the Toxic Avenger or the stuff that created the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or uh, the, the doctor on ER who ended up in RoboCop. It was a staple of 1980s sci-fi that toxic waste was going to cause. They're always going to have accidents and people are going to have all these terrible mutations and things like that. And you may have noticed here we are in the year 2022, you don't walk around and see lots of people growing third eyeballs and, and all that kind of stuff. But actually, it turns out toxic waste is manageable. Do we wish we had maybe one central repository somewhere in Nevada to store all this stuff? Yes. Okay. But, you know, every form of energy is going to involve some trade-offs. And on the whole, nuclear power is able to generate. We have this, you know, easily manageable form of waste. It's not like smokestacks. You keep seeing scary pictures of stuff coming out of the giant reactors. It's steam, people. It's water vapor. That's actually not dangerous stuff at all. But I guess we're just because we associate it with smokestacks, we've decided it's very dangerous. So you can separate the people who are worried about carbon emissions into two categories. The serious ones say, yeah, you know what? Uh, we may not have been a fan of nuclear power in the past, but they've proven to be very, very safe all around the world. And uh, we should not you know, turn away from a form of energy just because Jane Fonda made a scary movie about it two generations ago. That's really not a good criteria for picking your energy sources. And, um, you can't only do it from solar panels and from windmills and, and things like that. It's going to require some other more intensive forms of producing energy. And when it comes to reducing carbon, nuclear power is about as good as it gets. Um, however, there are environmentalists who completely freak out about this. And so basically the argument is if you don't want nuclear power and you absolutely demand a reduction in carbon emissions from energy production, you really want to go back to agrarian pre-industrial revolution humanity. And I got to tell you, if you want to go off and live that way, fine, but don't expect everyone else to do that. You're not offering a very realistic option. And congratulations to the EU for recognizing, hey, nuclear power can be a big part of the solution here. Yeah, we'll see if these actually get approved. Uh, you know, the climate lobby has a way of uh, twisting arms. So hopefully uh, it happens. And hopefully it's uh, a wake-up call here in the United States because, you know, as we've... Uh, recently heard uh, there might be new discussions on Build Back Better, which has a lot of climate stuff in it, and uh, it'll be bad for West Virginia. And so, uh, you know, common sense would be good on both sides of the Atlantic. But uh, if we're getting good news from the EU, hopefully that's a good good harbinger on this issue. But uh, we also got good news from Moink. I mean, there's no better way to start off the, the new year than with uh, good friends and family and also really good food. Hopefully you had some of that over your holiday break as well. Moinkbox is definitely the way to go. I've talked about their bacon many times. Uh, they also have the phenomenal steak. The Moinkbox is full of fantastic meat that you're going to love from top to bottom. In fact, we just had uh, bratwurst that was apple and cranberry flavored. Absolutely fantastic. And right now in our fridge is a thawing a set of ribs that we're going to be having for dinner soon. So, Jim, the Moink Box is the gift that keeps on giving. Ooh, ribs. <laughs> Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and wild-caught Alaskan salmon. Direct to your door, helping family farms become financially independent outside of big agriculture. Their animals are raised outdoors, their fish swim wild in the ocean, and moink meat is free of antibiotics, hormones, sugar, and all the other junk you find pre-packaged in the meat aisle. Sign up at moinkbox.com martini to get a year of filet mignon for free, and then pick what meats you want delivered in your first box. You can change what you get each month and cancel any time. 
Yeah, you heard Jim right. A year of filet mignon. I mean, uh, it's hard to imagine a, a better incentive to try the Boink Box. Uh, as I've said, love the steaks, love the bacon, love the filet mignon as well. Uh, I know that I'm glad I get the Moink Box. You will be too. It's just delicious, delicious, and you are going to love it. Join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash martini right now, and listeners to the Three Martini Lunch get free filet mignon for a year. That's one year of the best filet mignon you'll ever taste, but it's only for a limited time. Spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash martini. That's moinkbox.com slash martini. All right, Jim, let's move to our bad martini now, our first bad martini. And, uh... Chuck Schumer took a lot of hits over the final weeks of 2021. Didn't get a lot of wins. He's still desperate for them. He's trying another tactic here. I'm not sure it's going to work, at least if Mansion and Cinema both, or even just one of them, uh, sticks to their guns on this. But uh, Politico reporting that Chuck Schumer is warning today that the Senate will debate and vote on changes to the chamber's rules by January 17th, so two weeks from today, unless Republicans get out of the way on elections reform, meaning they allow it to come to a final vote. His threat seems inevitable since Republicans are almost certain to block the next attempt to bring up their priority legislation. In a Dear Colleague letter, Schumer says the Senate must evolve like it has many times before. The Senate was designed to evolve and has evolved many times in our history. The fight for the ballot is as old as the Republic. So this is, you know, their big attempt to federalize elections, lock into place a lot of the rules uh, that were in place uh, under unique circumstances in 2020 due to the pandemic and so forth. Uh, Republicans see this as Democrats trying to uh, uh, manipulate elections going forward uh, and, and run things from Washington, which is not the way the Constitution lays things out. Again, as the article points out, and we've pointed out many times, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema uh, not at all in favor of scrapping the filibuster. Cinema has, has even said she's not in favor of amending it. It seems that Schumer's option here is to go back to the old talker filibusters, which would eventually end and you would get to the vote. But uh, Jim, the, the silver lining here is that it doesn't necessarily appear that he's got the votes yet on this. But the bad news is they just keep beating this drum and uh, it's possible they could wear these people down, I guess. You know, Greg, this is the first week of January. We're coming up on the one year anniversary of January 6th Capitol riot. And you're seeing a lot of commentary, much of which I see as kind of overwrought that basically say democracy is at risk. And we, you know, the reason is at risk and we're going to lose our democracies because the other side is just so unreasonable that they refuse to abide by the results of the election. They refuse to abide by the law. They're perfectly company, comfortable intimidating people into doing what they want. Uh, and that's, you know, that's what's hurting our democracy. That's, you know, how we're going to lose our democracy. Now, what we see on Capitol Hill right now is a, a mindset at work, which is there is one set of rules when my party's in charge. And then there's another set of rules that is in, in, in place when your party is in charge. And we change them based on who's in charge. The filibuster is a really important uh, tool for, for ensuring the rights of the minority. It's a way of ensure, you know, preventing the tyranny of the majority when my side is in the minority. But the moment your side is in the minority, then the, uh, the, the filibuster becomes a Jim Crow relic. It becomes a threat to democracy. It becomes a threat to the good functioning of our government. It must be gotten rid of at any possible thing. And I don't need to go through the entire litany of how the filibuster has been nibbled at bit by bit. Um, first for uh, non-Supreme Court judicial nominations, then for uh, Supreme Court nominations, done by Harry Reid and the Democrats. And he was warned by Mitch McConnell and a whole bunch of Senate Republicans is like, look, you're going to regret this. You're going to be in the minority again. And when you do, we're going to use this to push through as many judges as we like, because you've chosen to eliminate the filibuster 
for these lower court judicial nominations. And the late Harry Reid said, don't worry, I know what I'm doing. This is never going to blow up in my face. Lo and behold, Republicans won back the Senate and they started confirming lots of judges once Donald Trump was president. Then you started thinking, all right, well, once you've created this precedent, you could do this for lower court judges. Once there was an effort to filibuster Gorsuch, Republicans said, you know what, we're not going to filibuster for Supreme Court nominations either. Then the filibuster is now gone for all judicial nominations. Well, once Chuck Schumer says, look, we're going to have the filibuster for most legislation, but if it's on voting rights, we've decided it's just too important to allow the filibuster to go forward. What do you think is going to happen next time a Senate majority is like, well, we really want to pass this? This is the, the ultimate. It's like, look, yeah, we have a filibuster, but the filibuster is getting in the way of us getting what we want. Therefore, it must go away. Right? If you can't see where this is going to go, then you have no ability to understand actions and consequences. And Chuck Schumer really can't see past his own nose. Or the only thing I can think of is that maybe he's afraid of AOC, who last seen vacationing and enjoying herself in Florida, uh, is that she's going to challenge him in the primary. And he's really worried about ir irking the progressives. So Chuck Schumer knows he's got to look like he's a fighter. He's got to look like he's standing up. And by golly, either he's going to get the, uh, you know, let's, let's federalize all elections act of 2022 passed, or he's going to maximize the pressure on Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema have said this very reasonable assessment. If you're going to change the rules, it has to be a bipartisan agreement. It can't just be the majority shoving in the, you know, shoving the rules down the throat of the minority. Once you do that, every vote in the Senate is going to turn into that. But Chuck Schumer either can't sense it or he knows these are the consequences, but he doesn't care because he's much more afraid of a primary challenge from AOC or some other progressive. Yeah, I think that's good analysis. And uh, it's just a matter of how much pressure Manchin and Cinema can take. So far, they've uh, taken quite a bit. This is obviously an election year, uh, and the Democrats, I think, see this as their signature legislation. Uh, and obviously, they would love to have more federal uh, oversight of elections. So we will see. We will see. But they're obviously going to try and milk January 6th for all they can leading up to that January 17th uh, ultimatum. But uh, we will find out. So uh, as this uh, drama builds, you'll want your rest. That means you need a good pillow, good sheets, good mattress topper, good towels, good slippers. That's where my pillow comes in. I love the sheets, love the towels. Got the slippers right here under my desk on my feet as we speak right now. And uh, Jim, fantastic products, still at a discount and no supply chain issues when you're talking about my pillow. My pillow is made 100% right here in the United States, and they have built a huge inventory to ensure their customers get what they need when they need it. MyPillow has full stock on all the items on their website. We're talking about everything from the sheets, uh, the MyPillows at their lowest price ever, the slippers, the robes, and now cardigans, all in stock and ready to ship fast. MyPillow is your one-stop shop where you can shop with confidence. All MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener specials for specials like buy one, get one on Giza Dream Sheets or the lowest price ever on MyPillow Premiums when you use the promo code MARTINI. Or use the code when you call 800-874-0104. Don't miss this sale of the year. That's the MyPillow.com promo code MARTINI or call 800-874-0104. Sleep better with MyPillow.com. All right, Jim. It's a new year. People are supposed to be going back to school if you live in Northern Virginia. Congratulations. You got a day off, and I'm guessing, Jim, what do you think? Three? Four? By the time that's just, that's just all this snow gets cleaned up? It was 65 degrees yesterday, and now we're, uh, I don't know, where I am, it's looking at about at least half a foot. You know, I'm a little rusty in my shoveling skills. You and I were both out there today. Yeah, so, you know, we, we don't get a lot of practice. Uh, particularly the last few winters, it's been pretty mild. 
Listeners, you've probably heard me complain about the Authenticity Woods school system and how they are metaphorical snowflakes about literal snowflakes. Uh, the moment they see anything, the moment the dew point stops, oh, we're going to do at least a delayed opening. Uh, better close for the rest of the week. It's scary, you know. Um, now, it turns out this is an actual, genuine, real snowstorm. It was about five or six inches, very wet, very heavy. And as I'm looking out my window, it's still coming down now. You know, right around the morning commute time, it would have been really ugly if they had school. This, you know, congratulations, Northern Virginia and D.C. area schools. I think you called it right. It really is real snow. Good decision. Uh, that's a little different story from what we're hearing from uh, at least one, not, not one of the big teachers unions, one of the smaller ones, but it says that it is allied with the National Education Association and American Federation for Teachers saying that they want, because of Omicron, two weeks off. Now, by the way, look, as I said, the school, my local school district had a perfectly legitimate reason. And now the current discussion going on with uh, uh, Mrs. Garrity and myself is, you know, are, are they going to have a delayed opening tomorrow? Or are they going to be closed entirely tomorrow? Because we, we, we can't get we can't get the school, the roads cleared in a day. Good heavens. That's, you know. Um, even if it turns out to be, you know, 40, 55 degrees and everything starts melting tomorrow, there's no way we're, there's no way they're going back to school on time tomorrow. Now, the question is that I kind also kind of wonder, look, Omicron, there's a lot of cases going on. Thankfully, most people's cases are pretty mild, but people got together for Christmas, a lot more interaction than usual, a lot more travel around the country. Yeah, there's a lot of Omicron cases going on right now. There are people who, when they see the case numbers going up, they freak out. They go to, you know, emotional and psychological DEFCON 1. Now, look, if you, you know, there are, right now, deaths are actually down, I believe, 3% over the last two weeks. Um, hospitalizations are the number that I'm really keeping an eye on. They're, they're up a, a, a faster spreading virus is going to put more people in the hospital. The virus is just going to reach more people who are vulnerable. But generally, those aren't kids and generally, those aren't teachers. And the other interesting question is going to be, are you going to see school closures in the coming weeks because of short staffed, because people are sick home? I have a sneaking suspicion you're going to see a lot of closures in the next two weeks or maybe in the next month or so all across the country. And if they have any, if they have, look, if it's, oh, there's a cold front coming through, we're going to close for that. It's a way of not looking like nervous Nellies who are closing because of Omicron. Look, I, I wrote about this in the joke a little bit before towards the end of the year. Kids need to be in school. I don't want to see any backsliding. We've lost enough ground to this as is. As long as you got the staff and, you know, go in and have people. You wear a mask. First of all, most places, places in the country, the kids are wearing masks. We were capable of, do, of having people in school throughout this entire pandemic. The idea that because of Omicron, which is milder and settles in the bronchi, the tubes leading to, between your windpipe and your lungs, and isn't as bad in your lungs uh, as other strains of, of uh, COVID-19 are, you know, we should be able to do this. If you end up having, if all the teachers get sick, okay, all right, I understand it's going to happen. But I want to see every school district making every conceivable effort. When a teacher's union comes out and says, every school in the country should shut down for two weeks, go back to virtual learning, regardless of what the circumstances on the ground are. I know we're dealing with nervous Nellies who don't really care about the circumstances on the ground. They just have developed this instinct, this reflex, that if there's a sign of trouble, we got to shut down the schools. And that's not putting children first. And I hope this teachers union gets called out for it. But Greg, I'm not going to hold my breath. No, it's the National Educators United. Never heard of them. They're obviously a smaller uh, entity. Jim, if you could pick any length of time to pause anything right now, two weeks is the worst possible suggestion you could have to put well, how, things How about we do uh, within 15 days to bend the curve? How's that sound? <laughs> 
No one's going to believe you. It's just going to go on forever. But uh, yeah, you got the Chicago Union. I'm sure you saw that headline where they didn't want to go back and they're willing to not work at all if they don't get their way on this. Uh, other school districts uh, as well, uh, all tying it into the testing shortage and so forth. And just look, I mean, we've been over this and over this and over this. It's, the unions are keeping our kids out of school for the flimsiest of reasons. And uh, they just keep doing it. So it might redound to... The Republicans' political benefit, like it did in Virginia last year, where they're just totally tone deaf. But, uh, you know, at some point, our kids have to stop suffering. And that's more important than winning elections. we got to get this done right now. Yeah. And again, you know, if you I guess what I'm saying is if, if a school district, you know, you, you have a whole bunch of teachers calling in saying, yeah, I got sick or, or in some cases, you know, my child has, you know, caught it or something. The other thing we should keep in mind is that we have this is where the, the you know, lack of testing and the administration's decision, oh, we don't need to ramp up test production in the months leading up to the holidays. Um, this is where it really comes in frustrating because we also, it's, look, it's also, you know, it's winter cold season. It's also winter flu season. The symptoms of COVID-19 and the flu and standard winter colds all kind of look the same. So the question is, okay, can you get somebody tested, right? Um, and oh, by the way, if your kid's sick, you should probably keep them home from school. If you're sick, you should not go into work, right? This is, this is all common sense stuff. But if the school district says, yeah, we wanted to hold school, but we had too many people out sick. So we're, you know, for the next two days, we're closing and we'll reassess then. Okay, I understand. You, you want to be cautious. I understand that. But it's when you preemptively say, we've decided there's no way that for the next two weeks, it's safe for us to possibly hold school. That's when you're like, you know, like you are running your schools in a defensive crouch. And you are basically saying the last thing we need to work, we're just not going to have kids in school if we think there's any degree of risk. And it's simply the kind of mentality that led to these giant, uh, this lost year and, you know, the enormous amount of lost ground we need to make up with for our kids in the, in the years to come. Well, it's a new year, but some of the same old political tactics are certainly being used right about now. We'll see where it goes. Jim, good to be back with you. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Tell your friends about us as well. We are very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Please keep those coming. Also, uh, we would uh, love to have you listen on those home devices if you have one. All you have to do is say, play Three Martini Lunch Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Monday. Good luck shuffling out there if you live in the places getting hit by the storm. And we'll see you tomorrow on the Three Martini Lunch. AOC and other climate activists want us all to believe humanity is destroying the planet. But did you know that the Earth is actually doing better than ever before? I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, Alex Epstein of the Center for Industrial Progress joins me to explain why the climate hysteria is not based on science and why the left's agenda would leave far more people in poverty around the world. Join us. Follow The Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.